Welcome to Halakha Hour here on JRoot Radio on Wednesday afternoons. And where we talk about Halakha, in this hour we will discuss Be'azat Hashem, the Halakhot of Purim. Last week we started with the Halakhot of Purim already, so this will be really part two. And Be'azat Hashem, we hope to cover today all the Halakhot, and already tomorrow is Ta'anit Esther, which means we have a lot to do, and we're going to work off the Benish High. Usually we would read from the Benish High, but today... We probably will uh, read only some parts from the Benish High inside in order that we should cover what we need to know for the holiday of Pes- of not Pesach, Pesach too early. For the holiday of Purim, which will start by Hashem, will be this Motzei Shabbat. Just quickly, even though we mentioned it last week, but before that, we want to make an announcement. If anybody would like to sponsor this class, this class could be sponsored by either texting the station or getting in touch with the station through email, whatever you like. Or any of the classes, really, you could call and sponsor, and you have the zechut of uh, all the Torah that comes out of this this class or any other class. To listen to us, you could listen on your FM dial at ninety-seven point five FM, or you could download the 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 what's it called the app, and you could also listen in on the phone the following phone number seven one eight five zero six nine zero nine nine on jrootradio.com. This video. This class is being videoed, so you can now start watching these classes. Besides, not only listening, but you can also watch them online on jrootradio.com. In order to call in for your questions, I apologize, but we will only designate the last 15-20 minutes of the class. So only at 2.45 we'll begin to take phone calls. We have a lot to cover and we want to get through the main halakhot. And don't be shy to call in, because a lot of questions that we get... Um, are very important. I believe sometimes I may skip a point that I don't mention, and everyone should know about it. So call in at two forty-five with the questions. And if you're shy and you don't want to be on, you don't want to call when you're, we're on the air. You can call when we're off the air when we finish the class around three three ten. The text, which is the best way to reach us in order for your questions to come on the air or even off the air, is three four seven nine two seven eight three nine eight. And I believe we finished with all the introductions. Let's get to the halachot. Last week we spoke about. The halachot of Ta'anit Esther, Mishloach Manot, and Matanot Le'abiyonim. We This week, today, Be'azat Hashem will speak about the halachot of reading the Megillah, which comprise most of the halachot of Purim, and reading and listening to Megillah, that is. And also we'll speak about the Saudat, uh, the Saudat of Purim, which will also, which also takes part place on Purim itself. And just to mention, just quickly, because tomorrow is a fast, just to review from last week, tomorrow is Ta'anit Esther, which means the fast, we will fast tomorrow, beginning from Alot Shahar. What time is Alot Shahar? There are a few different opinions, you'll ask your local rabbi, but I saw times from 5, 12 a.m., even so 4.57 a.m., and up to 5.59 a.m. So we follow, by us as Haradim, we follow Hakam Yosef's calendar, which is 5.59 a.m., is Alot Shahar, and the fast will go up t- until about 40 minutes after Shekiah, which is around 7.40. Somebody wants to be lenient, should ask his local rabbi if they, there's a ne- reason to be lenient. That's tomorrow, Thursday. On Shabbat, we have Parashat Zachor. This Shabbat, we'll take out a second Sefer Torah, we'll read from the Sefer Torah, from Parashat Kitetzeh, which speaks about Amalek. This is an obligation with the Oraita, and there's a suffix if women are also obligated, so everybody should make an effort. Men for sure have to go. Women should try to go if they can, if it's available. And if you're listening and you're the rabbi of a shul, or if you're listening and you're the president of a shul, try to make some sort of arrangement 
to make it easier for women to hear Parashat Zachor, whether on Purim itself or even on Shabbat, Parashat Zachor, sometime when the men don't have to be in shul, they can watch the kids for a while till the women come and listen to Parashat Zachor. Let's get to the Halakhot. Halakha Aleph. Halakha Aleph, we will speak about who is obligated in the reading and listening to the Megillah. Let's read first this Halakha. Says the Ben Yishayim, Parashat Tetzaveh, Hakol Hayabin B'mikra Megillah, Anashim V'nashim. Everyone is obligated to read the Megillah, men and women alike. Ach, Hanashim, Afapish, Yodim, Lekrot, Yishmeom, Hanashim. However, being that it's a mahlokit, if women could read for other people or should read, the best thing is that women, even though if they know how to read the Megillah, the best is that women should listen to the Megillah from others who read it for them. And therefore, says the Every person should make sure that his wife hears the Megillah. If you personally know how to read the Megillah, so you go home and you read it for your wife, who didn't hear in the shul, and not only your wife, every woman that's above the age of 12, and according to others, even Hanukh, you have to answer them, and uh, you have to, you have to let make sure that they hear the Megillat Esther on Purim. This applies in the evening and in the daytime as well. Now, I want to point out something important because women also have the obligation to read the Megillat. So most shuls will be packed with women this Motzei Shabbat in order to hear the Megillah. And because of that, who's going to watch the kids? So one of two things happens. Either they get a babysitter and they keep them at home, or the second thing is that they bring the kids to the shul. And this, I have to mention, Rabotai, it's very, very important to know. The Baruch Hashem, there's so many minyanim today in our neighborhood over here in Brooklyn that have different times for reading, and you can literally find any time that you want. When you bring your children to the shul, you have to know it's you as a parent, it's your obligation to make sure that the children do not disturb. We're going to soon learn that if you don't hear one word of the Megillah, you're not Yotzei Dehubah. And sometimes the women think that I'm going to bring the kids to the shul, I'm coming to do a mitzvah, and they pick up worse avirot than the mitzvah itself. You don't end up hearing it because the child disturbs you. And then disturbs other people and they don't end up hearing some words. So a person, hakam aynav virosho, the pasuk says, uh, you have to be a little bit clever. You know your children, you know if they act up or not. Don't say, oh, no, no, this time they're not going to act up. You don't want to put yourself in a whole thing. Just you wait at home, ladies, wait at home. Let the men hear it in shul. And then afterwards, go to a special reading in, in the shul for the ladies. And they have it all over. I know by, that in Rabbi Landau's shul on Avenue Allen East 9th, I believe they have every half an hour they have a reading for the ladies. And the same thing you could find by the shul B'nai Yosef. It's not only B'nai Yosef. In many, many shuls, ask your husband to ask around in the shul that he prays or he davens at. And they have a special reading for the, for the, for the man. And you tell me, what about Berob Am Hadrat Melech? We have a lakam when it comes to reading the Megillah that you're supposed to hear it with a big crowd. You're not supposed to hear it in a small crowd. The poskim bring down that the concept of Rob Ahmadad Melech, that means to hear the Megillah with many, many people, this only applies to men, not to women. So therefore, women don't have to hear it. In fact, it's better that they hear it in the house. P- me personally, I read the Megillah in the house, and my wife calls a little bit of the, of the neighbors, whoever needs to come, a few family members also come, and yes, children come, but it's more controlled. When it's in the house, the children are a little bit under control. And it's not such a big place. In the shul, you can't designate somebody to be over the kids because whoever you're designating has to be old enough to be able to take care of them. And if they're old enough to take care of them, they also have to be old enough to hear the Megillah. So it doesn't work out so well. A person should make sure that he should hear the Megillah reading 
or she should hear the Megillah reading, but at the same time, they should make sure that the children do not disturb anybody else and prevent them from hearing the Megillah. The last thing the Ben Yishai says in this halakha, and this is actually a mahlokin, I'm saying this because a person who picks up the Ben Yishai should know that uh, why the halakha wouldn't act on this halakha. It says the Ben Yishai at the end, if if a person was already he already fulfilled his obligation of hearing the Megillah. And now he's going back and reading it for the woman. The person who is reading the Megillah, the Baal Koreh, and the woman should not make it Berakha. This is what Ben Ishai brings over here. And this comes from a few Ahronim, one of them is Hasid Alafim, who bring down that since women do not know Hebrew, they don't know how to follow. So you're making Berakha for them. But they're going to be space, they're going to space out. They're going to miss a few words. So they're not going to say the Hawa technically. So how can you make a bracha? And even Safiq, Safiq Barakot. That's what the Hasid Alafim brings down. And that's the Benish High goes with this uh, as well. However, not everybody agrees. Even the Hasid Alafim, once upon a time. First of all, we have the Hidda. The Hidda says, you can't make Gezerot the Hazal didn't make. If Hazal said that women have the obligation to read, and they have to, we have to make a bracha when we read the Megillah. So that's it. You make the bracha. If Hazal weren't scared that women made space out and may not follow, so we also shouldn't come ahead and start making our own new gezerot. And Hakam Avadia brings this reason. It brings another reason why you should make a bracha for the ladies. And the reason is because Baruch Hashem in our days, most ladies do know Hebrew. Most ladies do know how to read and follow. Most ladies did go to Yeshiva or Beit Yaakov and they did learn the Hebrew, especially in the Eretz Israel. So because of that, since they could follow a lot, of them, a lot of times you have Hamashim, even they don't have Hamashim, they're listening in. So therefore, there is no problem. And I believe, my own personal opinion, if the Bain was around in our days and he sees the education in our days that the ladies have, he'll also agree that you should make a berakha. And therefore, halakha l'ma'aseh, even if you're reading for the ladies, you should make a berakha. Now, that we're talking about reading Megillah for the ladies, whoever is reading should pay attention to the following things. When you, make, when you read for the ladies, you're going to make... Three berachot, like you usually do. What are the three berachot? The first beracha is Baruch Ata Hashem. Okay, let me call him Asher Kedeshanu Bemezotah Vezvanu Lekro Megillah, not Lishmoa Megillah. Lishmoa Megillah, even though there's a machloket with this, the Ashkenazim, I believe, say Lishmoa Megillah for the Sfaradim. We say the same thing. The machloket is based because, like we said before, and some say that ladies only have to hear the Megillah, but not to read the Megillah. So therefore, the text for the Ashkenazim, some will change the text to Lishmoa Megillah. Here we hold that even though better to, the lady should listen to it, still we say le Megillah. Next, when you're reading for the ladies, you have to keep the following point in mind. And that is, in the shul, we have a bracha ahrona. As we're going to soon learn, the bracha ahrona can only be said when you have a minyan of people. A minyan means ten. Ten could include your, the reader himself. And even if it's ten mixed with men and women, you still make the beracha. So therefore, when you're reading for the ladies, sometimes it's a small group. It's about six, seven ladies and the balcony. That's only nine. You need to make sure that you have ten in order to make the bracha ahrona. If you don't have ten, if you just have nine, you cannot make the bracha ahrona. Some say you could even include some of the children who understand. Even though they're under the age of bar mitzvah or bat mitzvah, it's, uh, you have to know who's there. And if they're listening the whole time, they're sitting and they're attentively listening. I know my niece, when she comes... 10, 11 years old, she listens very well from the beginning to the end. She doesn't run, uh, sort of, uh, run around. 
Technically, you could also include her, even though she's not of the age of mitzvah, you can include her for the last beracha. And the reason for that is that the last beracha is made in order to publicize the miracle. And you can only publicize it when you have a minimum amount of people. And that is the number 10. When you have 10 people, then you can make the bracha ahrona. And special attention has to be made when you're reading for the ladies. Sometimes it's a smaller group. That There should be 10 people. Let's move on now to halakha bet. Halakha bet, I'm not going to read it inside. But basically, the halakha is as follows. But a lot of halakha do come out from here. The halakha is that when listening to the Megillah, you have to hear it from somebody who himself or is obligated to read. Meaning, the rule is always by all mitzvot, is that the following three people are exempt from mitzvot. Who are they? Eheresh, Shoteh, and Vekatan. Hashu. Heresh, Shoteh, Vekatan. Heresh is, usually the definition of Heresh means, any person who is deaf-mute, cannot hear, he cannot speak. That person is patur, he's exempt from all mitzvot in the Torah. Being that he's exempt, even though he may have learned the skill of speaking, doesn't make a difference, he can still, since he's not obligated, he cannot exempt others who are listening to him. The other case, which is more practical, the katan. Shoteh, by the way, is, is a person who, I don't say a fool, but a shoteh is a person who, who, who lacks the ability to comprehend things. That's a different category by itself. Katan is a person under the age of bar mitzvah or bat mitzvah. Katan usually are exempt from all mitzvot in the Torah. When they do mitzvot, it's only because we are training them. When it comes to the mitzvot of mitzvah of Kriyat Megillah, although there's a mahloket, still a person should not listen to a katan who, who is reading the Megillah. Make sure that the child is above the age of bar mitzvah. Unless you're stuck somewhere and there's nobody around, and the only one who knows how to read the Megillah is this katan who went to yeshiva and he learned very, very well how to read and he has a kosher megillah. So then, okay, you can rely on the opinions that say once the child is above the age of seven since he understands and he knows how to read, you can rely on that opinion. But you should not listen to the megillah from a child that's reading and child means anybody under the age of bar mitzvah. With that, we'll go on to a very practical halakhot in our days. Listening also... Like we said, it has to be for someone who is obligated. And although it might seem simple to a lot of people, but it's important to know. You cannot be Yotzei de Hawaii. You cannot exempt yourself from the obligation of hearing the Megillah from a pre-recorded re- Megillah reading. Here on JRU Radio on Purim, you'll hear the Megillah reading played. They're going to play it a few times in a the day. They're going to play it in all the Nusahaot and all different uh, versions of the reading the Megillah. Even if you're listening from the beginning till the end, you're not Yotzei Dehubah. Even if you rewind it and you make sure you heard every single word, a person who he hears from a pre-recorded uh, reading is not Yotzei Dehubah. Not only that, it goes even further. Even if you're listening in on the phone, you go to shul and your wife is home and you put her on the phone and she's listening live from the phone, she's not Yotzei Dehubah. You have to hear the person's voice directly. Which, which leads us to the following. What about if I'm listening in the shul, I can see the Baal Kore, but I'm listening from him speaking on the microphone. So I'm not really hearing the Baal Kore, I'm not hearing the person who's reading it, but I'm hearing the f- sound from the microphone. So in this case, well, the halakha should be the same. As long as you're not hearing the sound of the Baal Kore, you're not your Tzedeh you have to hear the voice himself. If you could still hear the voice of the Baal Kore, of the person who's reading the Megillah, but the mic is just enhancing it, which means if you shut off the mic for a second or 10 seconds, you would be able to hear the words from the Baal Koreh, 
So just what's the mic doing? Just making the vo- the sound a little bit louder. So in that case, you yotzei dehoba. You can be yotzei dehoba. That's the ruling of Hakam Avadia, and that's the psak that we're gonna give that a person who's listening in on from the microphone. You, um, it's it's asur unless you could hear the person's voice himself. Now. Does that mean this is a halakha and nobody disagrees? There are those who disagree. There's a tzitzelei, there's others who say that listening through a microphone, if you're in the same room, could be yotzei dehoba. But the ruling of Hakam Avadia Yosef is that you could, when I believe of Sumo Zaman Orbach as well, in order to be yotzei with a microphone, you have to be able to hear the person reading as well. And just that the mic is enhancing it, it's fine. Next, we get to the following halakha. We said the hereis, a person who is deaf mute, is not yotzei dehoba. Poskim bring down that a person who could speak, he's only deaf, but he's not mute. Technically, he's not in the category of Hedish. So, could a person be Yotzei Dehoba from listening to such a, from Megillah from such a person? You can ask me, when is this possible? This is possible when a person could only hear with a hearing aid. He cannot hear without a hearing aid. He knows how to read Megillah beautifully. Something happened, he got older, and now he needs to wear a hearing aid in order to hear, and he's reading the Megillah for you. Could be Yotzei Dehoba or not. So the rule is also pretty much the same. If the hearing aid, if the only way this person could hear is through the hearing aid, which means without hearing aid he cannot hear anything, so then better not to listen from this, from such a balakore. But if the person could hear, but the hearing aid is just enhancing his hearing, then it's fine. He's yotzei dehaba. Even the person who's listening that way in the shul, not only is he yotzei dehaba by hearing through the hearing aid because it's just enhancing, it's it's uh, making the volume a little bit louder for him. But also, you could be Yotzei Dehawa by listening to the Megillah from such a person. Halakha Gimel. Again, if you have any questions, please text in your questions. Do not call the station until at least 2.45. By then, we'll have the technician over here. We'll answer the phone calls. But till then, we won't take any questions. If you have any questions, text it in. And the text number is 347-927-8398. Halakha Gimel. Halakha Gimel is an important halakha to keep in mind. Although maybe, uh, uh, depends on your age, you'll, you'll decide how, how applicable it is to you. Halakha says, If the reader is dozing off while reading the Megillah, since he made sure to read every word, he's Yotzei Dehoba. Don't worry, not the reader in the shul. No shul is going to allow the Baal to, fall, to to doze off. This happens probably a person is tired, he comes home late, uh, may, maybe not necessarily Motzei Shabbat, whatever it is, he's picking up the Megillah and he has to read and he's very tired and he has to read the Megillah to himself. He's dozing off. As long as he knows that he read every word, it's fine. But a person who's listening to the Baal Koreh, if he's dozing off, even though he may say, no, I really heard every word, he's not Yotzei Dehoba. Why? Because the halakha is, you must hear every single word of the Megillah. You cannot miss any word. So if you're dozing off, Mistama, you missed a word or two, and that's it. One word already disqualifies you, and you have to hear the Megillah again. And therefore, a person is not Yotzei Dehoba if he's dozing off. If you see somebody dozing off, you have to make sure you keep him alert. Take a five-hour energy drink or whatever you may have to take to keep yourself up. And this way, you can hear the Megillah from begin to end. This applies again in the evening and the daytime. A lot of people we see are makpid in the evening to make sure to hear the Megillah. And the daytime, sometimes, oh, okay, it's only the daytime reading. You should know the halakha says both are necessary, but it's more important 
to hear the Megillah in the daytime. So a person has to make sure that he hears the Megillah in the daytime as well, and that he should hear the whole thing as well. And don't say, listen, I heard it already last night. You know, I know the story. It doesn't make a difference. The obligation is you have to hear it again, all the words from the beginning until the end. Let's move on to Halakha Dalit, the Berachot of the Megillah. When reading the Megillah, although the halakha is that you don't have to stand up when you read the Megillah, unless you're reading in shul, then that's a different reason why you have to stand up, because out of the honor of the tzibur, you have to stand up. But technically, you can read the Megillah even sitting down. When I read it in the house for my wife, I sit down when I read the Megillah. How come? Because halakha is, you can stand or sit down, whatever you like when you read the Megillah. Only in shul do we stand up in the honor of the whole kahal that's in the shul. However, the Berachot, whether the Berachot or the end, uh, even if you're reading it by yourself in the house, you must stand up during the Berachot. The other thing that we have to keep in mind regarding the Berachot standing up is that there's a custom, there's different customs on standing up when you read the, Meg- uh, the Megillah. Excuse me, there's a minhag, sorry. There's a minhag of standing up when listening to the berachot and some sit down. Meaning, when the person, the person who's making the berachot has to stand up, but the people listening to the berachot, some have a minhag where the whole tzibur stands up and after the end of the berachot, they all sit down. And that's what I believe the Iraqi minhag is, the way Benish Hai brings it down. And others don't have such a minhag. I know that the Syrian minhag is not that way. Only the person who's reading the Megillah standing up he says the brachot standing up while everybody else is sitting down during the brachot. Either way, both men hagim are brought down and it's fine to do either one. Tell you one thing though, if the whole tzibur is standing, don't be sitting down. And if the whole tzibur is sitting down, don't stand up to stick out because that's a separate uh, class by itself. A person should not stick out from the tzibur. Both are fine and both have their sources. Another thing the Benishai brings down over here when you read the Megillah, he says, poshet when coming to read the Megillah, you have to open up the whole Megillah first, and then you make the Berachot. How can we open up the whole Megillah? Because we find in Megillah Tessir that the, the Megillah itself is referred to as an Egeret, a letter. If you ever see those uh, pictures of the you know letters are sent by the king, hear ye, hear ye, and they open up these big letters, they unroll the whole letter first, and then they read it. That's how you do it. You get a letter today in the mail. You open up the whole envelope and then you read it. You don't slowly take out the paper from the envelope. You take out the whole thing. You open it up. So since the Megillah is called the letter and they get it, so therefore we open up the whole Megillah first and then we read it. That's the Khathilah. That's the Minhag that most people do. But you should know it's not an obligation. It's not necessary. It's not ob- Why do I say that? Because first of all, according to Shuhana Ruch, if you want to know the Deen of Shuhana Ruch, he holds that the only thing you have to do is not to not to open up first and then make the berachot. He says, make the berachot even though it's closed. And as you're reading, just don't fold it back. Let, just keep on reading and don't fold it back. That's the opinion of Shohana Ruch Medin. Like I said, the minhag is not that way. The minhag is that people open up the whole thing. But you should keep this in mind when you're reading somewhere and you don't have a table necessarily in front of you. Let's say you're reading someplace by somebody's house and they don't have a table to provide you to sit down to read the Megillah or to stand up. And you have to hold the Megillah. So if you open up the whole thing, it might drag on the floor and then it's disrespectful to the Megillah. In that case, they can follow what Maran says. Just don't roll it back as you're reading throughout the Megillah. And even if you don't, even if you do roll it back and you hold it like a safe tie, you just open up the page that you need to read. Even then, it's fine. This is only... A custom that's brought down and it's not an obligation. So therefore, even the listeners should know 
that the Kahal who is listening to the Megillah don't necessarily have to open up their whole Megillah. It's only the person who's reading. But if they want to open up, that's fine. It's great. Why not? If possible, they should do it. But if you're sitting in a shul where it's very crowded, and by opening up the whole Megillah again, it might drag on the floor. And especially if everybody on your own also has a Megillah, how are you going to be able to control it? And you know how the pages roll back. So then, that's called a case that's not possible. That's fine. And even if you don't have a kosher Megillah, you have a Humash. There's nothing, not any different. You have a Humash anyway in front of you, and you're following, then... Uh, just like there, it's not a big deal if you obviously, since you can't do it in any other way to go through the pages you, without opening up the whole Megillah. So, too, when you have your own private Megillah, you don't have to open up the whole Megillah. Let's go to Halakha Hey. Halakha Hey talks about Shehayanu. We said that one of the Berachot, I don't know if he mentioned it, there's three Berachot that we make for Megillah, and they are Ashaki Disham Savas Vano Lekro Megillah. The second is Shahasan Nisim Laboten Baimim Mahim Bazman Hazeh. And the third Berachha is Shehayanu. This is an important halakha. Shehiyanu, there's a mahloka between Ashkenazim and Sfaradim. According to the Sfaradim, Shehiyanu is only said for the reading of the Megillah at night. Which means that when we say Shehiyanu this Motsa'i Shabbat, when reading the Megillah for the first time, we don't go back to say Shehiyanu again on Sunday morning because we already say the Chubab with Shehiyanu. However, according to the Ashkenazim, they follow the opinion of Rabbeinu Tam in this. They will say Shehiyanu Motsai Shabbat and they will say it again when reading Megillah on Purim day in the morning, which will be this Sunday morning. Okay, that's a very important mahloki to keep in mind. Sfaradim only say Shehiyanu one time. Ashkenazim will say it in the evening and in the daytime as well. But even according to the Sfaradim, in the past we've explained that the Shehiyanu usually goes on the holiday. Here, the Shehiyanu is going on the reading Megillah. But since... Some uh, since uh, we have other mizvot in the day of Purim, such as Mishloch Manot, Matanot Abiyunim, and the Seudah itself, we don't make a separate Shahiyanu for those mizvot because these mizvot are nothing special that are out of the ordinary. It's not like eating matzah, shaking ululab, which is not usually done throughout the whole year. Here we have a mizvot to give presents. We always give presents. To give sadaqah, we always give sadaqah. To have a festive meal, we always have a festive meal. So we don't make a shahiyanu on those specific mizvot. But still the post bring down. When you say the shahiyanu, or the Baal Qur'an is saying the shahiyanu, have in mind that the shahiyanu will also cover the mizvot of Purim themselves, which are Mizrah Manot, Matanot Lebionim, and the reading of the Megillah. That is the, what the kavana for shahiyanu is supposed to be when listening to the Megillah or the Baal Qur'an who is reading the Megillah. It's good to, if you're reading the Megillah in shul, to make the announcement beforehand when people are listening to your... Uh, uh, to your reading right before you start reading say I'm going to make the brachah of Shehiyanu I'm going to have a mind also for this and also you should have a mind with me the other thing that you have to know is if Shehiyanu was somehow omitted it was skipped the person forgot to say Shehiyanu I'm talking about Sfaradim now the person forgot to say Shehiyanu you could still say Shehiyanu as long as you're in the middle of reading the Megillah according to the Benish Hai once you get up to the 10 names of Haman you're allowed to say Shahiyanu right in the middle. What does that mean? That means you got up to the part, Ish, Yehudi, Hayah, and then you remembered, wow, I forgot to say Shahiyanu. You could stop right there, make Shahiyanu out loud, and continue. That's, that's not a hefseg. It's not considered an interruption because it's done for the sake of the reading. If you got up to the 10 names of Haman already, read the 10 names of Haman, and now you remember that you didn't say Shahiyanu, according to Menishai, it's too late already, then you'll have to save your Shahiyanu for the following day in the morning when you're reading the Megillah in the morning. You cannot say it if you're not reading the Megillah. 
either before reading Megillah or in the middle of reading Megillah. Once the Megillah has been read already, it's too late for Shehiyanu. Halakha Vav. Halakha Vav, I'm going to skip. It just says that if a person skips any words, he's not Yotzei Dehuba when listening to Megillah. And um, you have to be careful, unfortunately, not every person who reads the Megillah is knowledgeable, is, it knows the halachot, and just because he knows how to read the Megillah doesn't make him the big hakam, doesn't make him the big rabbi. So a lot of times, people who read, uh, I've heard of very, very uh, crazy stories and sad stories, especially, whatever, we won't go into it now. In any case, just make sure that when you listen to Megillah, that you're hearing every word, and if you see that the person reading the Megillah skipped a few words, whether it's his fault or your fault, then you should fill it in. What does that mean, fill it in? So let's say, Ahar ha-debarim you heard the Ba'akore say, Ahar ha he missed the words ha-debarim, so you say the words ha-debarim. Now when you're saying the words ha-debarim, he's saying ha so you'll have to read ahead of them, ahead of the Ba'akore, until he catches up to you. Because you have to make sure you hear every word from him, and you're allowed to read from your own Megillah, and just make sure that whatever part you're reading, you're you're, you're uh, continuing to read to the place where, you're, where he's going to catch up to you. Meaning, you have if you if you said and by you saying he's saying so you must the word so you have to go ahead of the hazan and then wait and then listen to him from the next pasuk. This is important to know. Even if you spaced out or you had to, let's say somebody, something fell and you, you weren't able to hear. So instead of making the Ba'al go back, you could just read yourself that Pasuk and catch up to the Hazan himself. Or if a person had to step out, it's the same Halakha. Keep in mind that when reading the Megillah, you have to hear every single word of the Megillah in order. Which means if a person had to step out from listening to the Megillah, and by the time he comes back, he sees that he missed seven Pesukim. You can't say, okay, let's wait till the end of the Megillah, I'll go back and read these seven Pesukim. It doesn't work that way. It's not like you're reading Tehillim and you just make up the Perak of yesterday. You have to hear them in order. So if you're reading, then you have to read all these seven Pesukim. Now, of course, when you're reading these seven Pesukim that you missed, you're going mi- to miss the next couple of Pesukim as well. So you're allowed to read from your own Megillah up to where the Hazan is. But this is important to keep in mind. If you have a kosher Megillah in front of you, you're allowed to read the Megillah from the Megillah all the way through. Even if you don't know the Ta'amim, as long as you know the Nikudot, you know how to pronounce the words, it's fine. Even if you know how to, you don't know how to pronounce the Ta'amim or sing the Ta'amim. If you don't have a kosher Megillah and you're listening to Megillah Tessir from Mahumash, so then it's a little bit more complicated, it's, 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 uh, it's harder, because you're only allowed to read up to 49%. The other 51% you have to hear from the Hazan. So if you stepped out for about a minute, it's not a big deal. You could read what you missed and catch up to the Hazan and still be in the 49%. But if you miss more than that, then it's going to be a little bit of a problem. So you, if you if you really miss more than that, you're going to have a big issue. You might have to hear the Himmigilah again. Halakha Zayin. Not reading it inside. Halakha Zayin, there are four Pesukim. That we all the kahal says out loud. The first one is a famous one. Each Yehudi Hayabesh Shushan Bira Shmo Mordechai Ben Ben Yair Ben Ben Shemay Ben Kish Ish Yemini. This pasuk and the other four that are said are known as the four pesukim of Geula, where the whole kahal says it together. After the kahal says it, the Baal Kore has to keep in mind that he should go back and read this pesukim for the kahal, because that's the poskim Bengdal Lechatella. 
you have to hear the Megillah from a kosher Megillah. Not everybody has a kosher Megillah. Even though we just said that you're allowed to hear, the, you're allowed to read up to forty nine percent from a non kosher Megillah. That's only with the abad. The guy stepped out. He doesn't. He has to come back and catch up to what he missed. But lechatchila, you're supposed to hear every single word from a kosher Megillah. Halakha tit. Here the Ben Yishai brings. Skip the halakha. Yeah, halakha hit. The reading of the ten names of Haman. We know. There's a famous halakha, everybody knows this. That Hazal tell us, when they hung the ten children of Haman, they hung them all in one shot. What that means is, is uh, let's say they had the chair under them. Before they hung them, they pulled the chair all together. All in one shot, they were hung. So because of that, we have to read the uh, we have to read these ten names in Megillah in one breath. So the Ba'al Kore takes a deep breath right beforehand and he says these ten names. The Sfarim bring down also the poskim, that means they should read the not only the ten names of Haman in one breath, but even from the beginning of that Pasuk, where it says Hamesh Be'ot Ish Ve'et, right, and all the ten names, and then also Aseret, that all should be said in one breath, together with the Nekudot, I mean, obviously you have to say Nekudot properly, plus also the Ta'amim, that all has to be done in one breath. A lot of people think that this is crazy to do, it's really not so hard, just take a deep breath, slow down, take a deep breath and say it, and you can do it. Keep in mind that this is only lechatchila. If a person said the ten names of Haman, he had to take a breath in the middle. Something got caught up and he had to cough. It's fine. It's not a big deal. You could continue. This is only lechatchila. And certainly, you shouldn't make the mistake, which Abayn Ishaib points out in Halakha Tet, that when you're reading the ten names of Haman, because if you notice on the Megillat Esther, you'll see the ten names of Haman will have the names on one side and the word ve'et ten times on the Left side. The ve'et has to be read. There's a halakha that when you read the Megillah Tessir, you cannot read it ba'alpeh. You cannot read it without looking inside. Even if you know the pasuk by heart, it doesn't make a difference. You have to read the word from the inside. So it's very hard when it comes to ten names. Personally, when I read the Megillah, I have the hardest time with these ten names of reading it inside. Not because of the one breath. One breath is not a big deal. The big deal is that when you read the ve'et, you have to look inside and read the ve'it from the Megillah. And I know that it says ve'it. And it's all the way on the other side. The name's all the way on the other side. So make sure whoever is reading the Megillah, if you're listening to this, make sure that you put your finger and you read the, not just the, you remember that there's a word ve'it, but you read the actual word ve'it from the inside of the Megillah as you read the ten names of Haman. And if you're not a person who reads, you probably didn't understand what I just said. But uh, this was halakha for people who are, the people who are reading the Megillah. Halakha yud. Oh, Halakha Yud Ben Ishai talks about over here about the Yabits. The Yabits is Rabbi Yaakov Ben Tzvi, who talks about his father. His father was a great rabbi. It's called the Hacham Tzvi, the famous book Kavah Yashar, which is Kavah the Gematria of Tzvi. That's the Hacham Tzvi. He says that he had a minhag that he used to make the noise of uh, not make the noise. He used to hit the floor with his foot when the name of Haman would come up. Okay, so hitting Haman became famous for hitting Haman or making noise during the name of Haman has a source, and not only has a source over here. If you look in Darkei Moshe, he brings from Rishonim also that making noise about Haman or doing different things for when the name of Haman comes up is has many many sources in in uh, in Halakha, and therefore the Ramah writes that all since all these minhagim have their sources behare kodesh. Right? It's, uh, 
they're very good sources for these things that are written by Rishonim, a person should not cancel out any minhag. But I'll tell you what the poskim bring down. That unfortunately, sometimes people get carried away and they, the Yetzirah plays a big uh, game on them and he makes the Ekar Tafel and Tafel Ekar. Hitting Haman, okay, it has a source, it's a nice minhag. But people get carried away with it sometimes. And I've seen places which were ridiculous when it comes to hitting Haman. You cannot hear the Megillah at all. You know, we said that if you miss even one word of the Megillah, you're not Yotzei Forget one word. People make so much noise when it comes to Haman, and even later on, that you cannot hear. <laughs> Sometimes, honestly, I've been in a place when I was much younger, and I know the halakha. Half the Megillah we couldn't hear because of the noise of the Haman. Oh, people made noise on Haman. So therefore, what we started to do in our shul, and Baruch Hashem, We've done it, and the kahal, it's really dependent on the kahal. This is what the Bain Ishai brings on, a beautiful minhag. And what is that? Make noise by the first haman as much as you want. And the last haman. And that's it. Don't worry, haman will get beat up. You can kill haman, go home, and yell as much as you want on haman. Take, and you know, in fact, it's, it's even brought down. Take a piece of paper, run on the haman, amalek, step on it, yell at it, play your blasty music on it, whatever you like. In the shul, Make sure you don't disturb others. Make noise on the first Haman, last Haman. Besides that, you should know, making the noise on Haman, it might be a hefseg because some say you're supposed to read it as in a get it non-stop. If, ever, you know, if you've noticed, I've seen Gedolim, Hakam Baruch Allah Shalom, Hakam Yosef Rafu, when they read the Megillah, they go very fast when they read the Megillah because it's a shitot that bring down that should be like an get, like a letter. You read it quick. So therefore, the interruption in itself is not so simple according to Halakha, but still, since the minhag is brought down, we do it. But don't get carried away. One Haman in the beginning, one Haman at the end. Let your frustration out on Haman in the beginning and at the end, and that's it. And this way, everybody gets to hear it. And whoever is reading the Megillah has to make sure that everybody's hearing it. If you hear noise, you must stop. Stop every, everything. And don't just say, okay, it's their fault. There's other people, unfortunately, that they have to hear. They're coming to hear the Megillah. And you have to make sure that they hear every part. So if you hear noise, you have to make sure you wait until the noise stops. And then you pick up from when the noise started. And you read and make sure that everybody hears every single word of the Megillah. And I'll tell you... Okay, I'll tell you also another thing that's important. That the poskim down. We mentioned how important it is to hear to be Am Hadat Melech. That means he's supposed to go to the big shul, try to go to the biggest shul as possible to hear the Megillah with a lot of people. Sfarim bring down Tom a lot of poskim. If it's Rob Am Rob Bilbul, where you're going to hear the Megillah, there's a lot of people and they make so much noise and you can't hear the Megillah. It's better to go and take a small minyan. If you have a minyan of ten people, it's better to hear it there than to go to a place with ha- which has twenty thousand people. But you can't hear every single word. You have to know what they're You have to know what the tough in. Just uh, very quickly, I want to answer a few questions that came on uh, uh, through the text line. First halakha is, first question is, what is the halakha of the amount of matanot le'evionim? Matanot, I mean, we mentioned last week, just we'll go very quickly. Recommended is enough money for one sauda. That's recommended. Medin, it's really, uh, comes out like a shteprutot, which are nothing. But recommended a little bit sauda. How much is a basic sauda? I say usually six dollars or six to ten dollars. The best what I tell a person has some of you the ani, and you had to get the um, money in order for it, the whole idea of having metanotabinim is that make sure that a person who's poor should have money in order to be able to buy himself a sauda. What would you like to have for a sauda? 
a piece of pita, and that's it? Or would you like to have a whole nice sandwich? How much is a nice sandwich? Maybe a shawarma sandwich, a steak sandwich, or, well, I don't know, you like cheese sandwich, whatever you like. How much would you want? That's what you should give to at least two people, two separate people. So I say between 6 to $10 per ani. If it's, it's, it's beyond your means, so then you could give anywhere from $2 to $6 but that, that's the recommended and the minimum in Haddin. And of course, the more a person gives him a ton of it's always better. Now, the next question is, what's the time of the fast tomorrow? We mentioned this in the beginning. If you're Sfaradi, 5.59 a.m. But there's other she taught, some say as early as 5.12 a.m. or 4.57 a.m. You'll have to check your, with your own rabbi and your own shul exactly how they follow. Let's go to Halakha Yud Alif. Speaking about eating... <clears throat> There's a halakha that you're not allowed to eat before the Megillah. This year that the Megillah is being read on Motzei Shabbat, it's not so bad because usually we come in from fasting, we come to hear the Megillah. But we'll say the halakha anyway in the time when there is a fast. When there is a fast, you cannot eat. When we mean over here to eat, lechatelah, you shouldn't eat anything. But if a person has to eat a little bit, you could eat up to two ounces of bread. But again, lechatelah, you shouldn't eat or drink anything until you hear the Megillah. But if you need to, after a fast, you could eat or drink up to two ounces of bread and drink, of course, fruits or all these things don't count. That, that's always fine to eat. But the khatilah birth, a person should stay away from it. This applies not only in the evening, but also in the daytime as well. So really, the ladies are praying in the house and we need to hear the Megillah reading 11-12. So try not to have a meal with bread up to two ounces before hearing the Megillah. <coughs> Another thing to keep in mind also... That which Ben Ishai over here brings in the second part of the halakha, that even though it's brought down by Ben Ishai and Nachamari also brings it down, even though one could technically say the berachot of Megillah on his own, that means if you're sitting in shul and the hazan is making the berachah, you want to make your own berachah, you could also do it. But it's preferable to be Yotzei Dehoba with the berachah of the hazan or the Ba'akore. This way, you're together with the whole shul together, you're just listening to him. However, if you cannot hear the berachot of the hazan, or if you believe you have better kavanot than the hazan or the ba'akoreh, and you want to say your own berachot, you could say it as long as you have a kosher megillah in front of you. If you don't have a kosher megillah and you're just listening from a humash, then don't say your own berachah, and just be your say just exempt yourself from the berachot with somebody that's uh, that's there uh, with the, with the ba'akoreh that's there reading for you. Next, halakha yudbet talks about. We'll put it together and we'll make it practical for this Motzei Shabbat. What's going to happen this Motzei Shabbat? What's going to happen is you can go to Shul. You're going to go first. So actually, let's start with Minha on Shabbat. Minha is regular. We don't say Sitkatecha. If you Sfaradi, say Yishim. If not, Yashkenazim. So you go straight into Kaddish. After that, you're going to have Shalosh or you're going to have Saudah Shalishit. After Saudah Shalishit, if the rabbi is Doresh or, or makes a speech, whatever, it does make a difference. You're going to pray Arbit. After Arbit, you're going to pray Arbit up to the Amidah. In the Amidah, make sure you say Al Nisim. If you forgot to say Al Nisim in the Amidah, you don't have to go back. If you want to mention it right before you step back, you say, I'll say Shalom, you can mention it over there, that's fine. But it doesn't obligate you to go back on reading of the Amidah. Next, after the Amidah, we say Hatsi Kaddish. And then because it's Motzei Shabbat, so we'll say Shuba Hashem. Which begins with really Shuba Hashem Vinoam until Ve'ata Kadosh. And when we usually sit down, we say Ve'ata Kadosh Hashem Telot Israel, we don't say that and we wait. Then we take out the Megillah, and what happens is as follows. So now, here is an important point. 
there is a halakha that's brought down, and some are nohig this way, that one should say the bracha of bore me'ore ha'esh before reading the Megillah. How come? So the Bet Yosef brings the kolbo. He says, because since you're reading Motsayi Shabbat from the Megillah, and you need the light in order to see the, what you're reading, so therefore you have to make the bracha of bore me'ore ha'esh only, and then read the Megillah, and after you finish the Megillah and you finish Arbit, then you make Habdalah. That's what the Kobo brings down. The Beit Yosef brings that. Uh, that uh, Beit Yosef in, uh, in the book, Beit Yosef, he brings this Kobo. And this is also the, brought down by the other Ahronim, like the Hidda. Hazan Badiya also says that before you make, uh, before you read the Megillah, what say Shabbat, you should say the Bracha of Borei Meorea What does that mean? Take out a candle, you know, the one that you use for Habdalah, put it on, say Bracha of Borei Meorea and then read. However, others disagree. And uh, he brings very good svarot. He brings two, three reasons why you shouldn't say it. Number one is, first of all, we don't say on electricity. You can't, let's say a person is making Abdallah, he doesn't have a candle. You can't make on electricity. Even though you tell me there are opinions that way, yeah, brings down, brings down, there's seven opinions who hold that you could make that way, but still, we don't make a on the electricity. We don't call that ish, it has to be real fire. And that's the opinion of the majority of the post scheme. It has to be real fire. So why all of a sudden now do we have to make a bracha of boreme or I'm benefiting from the electricity. I'm not benefiting from the fire. I'm not using any fire to read today in our days. Also, besides that, you have it's when I'm saying boreme or when I come back and say habdalah, I can't say boreme or again. And it's better to say the brachot of habdalah altogether in one group. So why should I take it out of order now in order to be hoshesh for that shita? The other thing is also, it seems like there's a mahlokit between in the Beit Yosef itself, because here in the Halakhot Purim, the Beit Yosef brings a kolbo, he doesn't say anything about it, but in Siman Red Sadihet, Maram brings a Beit Yosef, and over there he doesn't go with it, because he says that reading Megillah is not a melacha, and since it's not a melacha, reading Megillah is not a melacha, therefore you don't have to say Borim Yorish beforehand. And because of that, a lot of people. Or not a lot of people, but some people don't say the bracha ish. I personally have a, a question also. If the bracha ish we hold is brachat hashebah, it's not brachat which means we look at the candle first and then we make the blessing of bore ish because we're praising God for the fire that was created in Motzei Shabbat. It's not something like, it's not like drinking a cup of water where you have to make the blessing before you drink the cup. Over here, we're praising God like brachat First you look, you see the moon, and then you, you, you bless God. You're not benefiting, you're not making bracha because you're benefiting from the light of the moon. You're making the blessing because you're thanking God for the moon. So too, by Boreh Me'oreh Ha'ish, we're blessing Hashem for the fire that was uh, put in the head of, the idea was put in the head of Adam HaRishon to make Omot Shabbat. So why are we making the bracha first? Because we're using, we're not using, first of all, we're not using the flame, we're using electricity. And number two is, it's not brachat it's brachat So, what could I do? The Ahrim bring it down. But, not everybody agrees with it. The Pesketch of brings out that the Menhag of Ashkenazim is not to say the bracha of Borei Meirah Ha'esh before Megillah. And I heard also that Hacham Yosef Raful, Na'atel Torah, does not say the bracha of Borei Meirah Ha'esh before reading Megillah. And also, like I said, also, Rav Moshe Levi, Zatzal in Tefillah Le Moshe also brings down that you should not say the bracha of Borei Meirah Ha'esh. And should only say it in the end with Abdallah. This applies only in the shul. Even those who say that you should say Bracha Ish is only in the shul. When you go home though, and you have to read the Megillah for your wife in the house, then you make Abdallah first, 
Exactly, the full Habdalah that means with a cup of wine and everything, and then you make you read the Megillah for your wife, and th- that's how it's done in the house. Let's go back to the shul now. After, let's say whether you're Minhag is to say Borei Meir or not. I don't think it's dependent on Minhag. You'll ask your rabbi what he wants to do. If you say Borei Meir or not, in any case, now what happens is the Balkore stands up, he opens up the whole Megillah, and you should have two people, one on his right, one on his left, when reading the Megillah. And then, once the Megillah is all opened up, the Khatila, this is like we said beforehand, then you make the three Berachot. After you finish reading the Megillah, first you roll back the Megillah, and then after you roll back the Megillah and you close it, then you make the last Beracha, the Beracha Ahrona of Megillah Esir. This is what takes place in the Shul. This is the order of Megillah reading in the Shul. The next Halachot in the Banish High, Ala um, Nisim, We'll just say it outside very quickly. Alan Nisim, we're supposed to say add Alan Nisim in our Amidah, and we're supposed to add Alan Nisim in Berchat Amazon. In both cases, if a person forgot to say Alan Nisim, he does not have to repeat neither the Amidah or the Berchat Amazon. The next halacha is Matarot Le'Avionim, which we discussed last week. I just want to mention something I didn't mention last week, and that is that with the halacha that's brought down in, in, on Purim, Kol Aposhet Yad Notin Lo. Usually, you have to make sure that your tzedakah is going to the right cause. A right cause means a person is qualified to be an ani. On Purim, we don't check. Whoever puts out his hand, we give him. On Purim, we don't have to necessarily check. That's some halakha that we didn't mention last week. Mishra Ahmadot, we also spoke about last week as well. And now we'll move on to halakha yudzain. Halakha yudzain, we won't read it inside, we don't have so much time. If you have any questions, by the way, text it in now. And if you want to uh, call the station... Maybe you could call in another... Yeah, I guess you could try to call in now. We'll get the technician to come soon. Halakha Yudzayin, women's obligations in Mishra Ahmadot Metobionim. Benishai, and not just the Benishai. The Halakha brings down that just like men are obligated with the former's vote of <coughs> Purim, which is hearing the Megillah, Mishra and the Sauda, women are also obligated in all those former's vote. And even though it might seem simple, but women have to make sure that when it comes to Mishloach Manot, because they make it out of a family, Baruch Hashem, everybody has their own theme and everybody makes specific Mishloach Manot that they give to everybody, a woman should make sure that at least one of these Mishloach Manot, she should personally give it to another lady. So this way she's Yotze Mishloach Manot. In the daytime this happened, this has to happen. Also, ladies should make sure to inform their husbands that when he gives whatever he's giving a donation to Matanot Labini, he should include her. Sometimes the husband just gives a donation, 101, 201, without thinking, without breaking it up, that money is from him and also from his wife as well. Just a pointer to keep in mind for the ladies. Next, Halakha Yud Hayt. Halakha talks about mourners. People who are abelim. A definition of a mourner over here is any person who is in the period of mourning, whether it's in the year of the parents or even within the seven days of mourning. Here the Benish Hayt says, that although they have an obligation of giving matanot le'bionim and mishloch manot, like they have the obligation like everything else. They have to hear the Megillah. They have to go to Saud. They have to have a Saudah. They have to also send uh, mishloch manot. Still, nobody should send them mishloch manot. That's the opinion of Venish High. And that really comes from the Ramah in Yore De'an, Hilchot of Avelut. Over there, however, the Diyuk, I don't want to go through it right now, but it seems like the opinion of Shohan Aruch is not that way. And therefore, a person... Uh, so according to Acham uh, Avadiyah, he says that you can even give a mourner Mishloach Manot. It's, it's fine, it's not a problem. 
but the best way to do it is is like this. Instead of giving, you know, sometimes a lot of mishmaranot that we have to give, we have to give it to the uh, out of kavod, you know, that uh, or that people shouldn't be upset with us. So you could always give the mishmaranot to the person's children or to his spouse, and this way they know that it came from you without giving it directly to the mourner. Ashkenazim don't receive mishmaranim, so you give that to their spouses. And even if you want to be mahmi like the Ben Ishai who goes with the Rama and you want to give a mourner mishmaranot. Give it to the, one of his family members and it's understood that's going to him, but don't make them shliyah, but just give it to them. Okay? Also, uh, if, uh, if a person's rub, rub is, is a mourner, that it's brought down that you could give them mishloach manot because there it's coming mostly for the honor. Next, Purim Sauda. You have to have a Sauda on Purim. We didn't mention this till now, but a person must have a meal on Purim. and has to be a little bit more festive meal, more than the common regular meal. It should be more similar to like Shabbat and Yom Tov meals. On Purim itself, the Sa'udah that we're talking about, there's a mahluk in the poskim if you need bread or not. Everybody agrees that it should be with bread because the definition of Sa'udah is bread. So therefore, a person should try to make sure that to have a Sa'udah. And this Sa'udah must take place in the day on Sunday before sunset. You could start it off before and let it run into the night. That's fine. But make sure you have the main part of the Sauda in the daytime of Purim. Also, mourners are obligated in the Sauda. Even a person who is mourning, a person who is in Avil for his parents or whatever it may be, he's also obligated in the Sauda. The only thing is that he should not go to a Sauda which has music. He should go to a Sauda which has no music. And if he's making his own sauda in his house, it's fine. He can have friends, friends, but he shouldn't have music in the sauda. Next, halakha khafu skipping, halakha khaf alif, working on Purim. A person really technically on Purim should not go to work. But if a person has to go to work because he can't get out of work, then they, uh, they could go to work. But it's brought down that there is no blessing with any money that's made from working on Purim. And... One, somebody told me something very nice. The name Hakam Baruch. He told me that you know a lot of people go to rabbis to get blessings for um, their their panasa, and they do a lot of different segulot in order that they should have a good panasa. And meanwhile, when it comes to Purim or times when Hazal told us that there is no berachah the money that you make on that day, they go to work. I don't understand. You want blessing? You don't want blessing. Person really wants blessing, then the real way is to follow what Hazal tell us. You can't just get a bracha, get the rabbi's hand on your head and get a blessing and you think that's that's going to make it that way. Hazal tell us if you go to work on Purim and you make money on Purim, there's no blessing in that money. It will go somewhere. So therefore, a person should try, if you want the best segulot, follow what Hazal tell us. That's the best segula. Halakha bet. Ben Yishai brings down that Purim, as a pasuk says, Yehudim hayta orav vikar. Hazat this became Yamim Tobim, became a holiday. So therefore, the, a person should make sure to dress appropriately. Anyway, Motzei Shabbat, you can be wearing your Shabbat clothing. So keep your Shabbat clothing for Motzei Shabbat. And Shabbat on Purim Day, a person has to keep in mind, it's a holiday. And you should wear something nice. Men should wear suits. Ladies should dress properly. So what about wearing costumes? So I got a question last week, right at the end of the show. A good question. What about, is wearing costumes mutar? Is it recommended? Is there a difference? Faradi Ashkenazi? And we'll finish the class with this halakha. There are different, the, the wearing the costumes, the Ramah brings down in the halakha. And it also has sources. It has old sources uh, from Rishonim about wearing costumes. Different reasons are given why a person wears a costume. 
Some say that being that we're giving a lot of tzedakah, everybody has to give matanot le'bioni, so we don't, everybody puts on a custom. This way, nobody can tell who's really ani, who's really rich, who's really poor, who's really not poor. Because we're all wearing costumes. Even the person who's poor, it looks like he's, you know, you can't tell if he's getting mishloch manot or matanot le'bionim. That is one reason it's brought down. There's other reasons are brought down. Esther, from the, from the word of hiding, she hid herself. Mordechai put on the, the, the clothing of the king. That's brought down. It goes so far that the Ramah says, such an important custom. He says, even if you're wearing kilayim derabanan, it means shatnez, which is only assuming derabanan. Very complicated to explain what's exactly derabanan. They're right there right now. But even if you're wearing shatnez, which is derabanan, as lo- because it's purim, there were no heg that way, it's fine. To the point that the Ramah says, even if you're cross-dressing, what does that mean? Even a man wears the clothing of a woman, since it's done for the Simha Purim, that's fine for a man to put on a skirt. However, if you're Sfaradi, first of all, all our poskim bring down its Asur. We cannot wear the clothing of women. That means if you're a man, you cannot wear a dress, you cannot wear a skirt. And women are not allowed to wear the clothing of men on Purim. That's Svaradim. And even according to the Ashkenazim, even what tell me there's a Ramah, the Mishnah Barah brings down from the Taz and the Bah, and a lot of Ashkenazim, great Ashkenazim, they all said that this is a terrible minhag and one has to stop it. So cross-dressing is not recommended by the post scheme. When there were no Hag a long, long time ago, okay, there's such a minhag, we can't take it away, that's what it was. But in our days, a lot of the Ahronim said, no, don't follow this minhag, it should be stopped. And therefore, uh, a person, it's not recommended. Even for children, it's not recommended. The Hazonis was makpid that even little children should not wear. Others bring down that if it's under the age of five, uh, that's already fine. In any case, in all these things, a person should be careful. Although it's a time of samha, a time of happiness, a person should not get carried away and take his samha and law that the samha should lead into isurim. And one should take the proper caution also when and during the Sauda, although the Halakha brings down, everybody knows the Halakha about drinking on Purim, still, drinking on Purim does not permit one to transgress all Averot, which means, even the post will bring down that you have to drink on Purim, they don't tell you that you have to get wasted. If you cannot say Bechat Amazon, if you cannot read, if you cannot pray Arbit afterwards, then you should not drink. If you're a person that gets affected by alcohol, or the amount of alcohol that you take, then don't drink. It's definitely, I guarantee, if you go and ask Hazal, what is better? That should skip Bechat Mazon de Oraita or drink on Purim. There's no question, there's no doubt what they'll tell you. They'll tell you that do not drink on Purim. Also, and a lot of Gedolim nowadays tell us that anybody who drinks, make sure that you don't drive. You designate a driver. And if you see somebody who drank and is getting behind the wheels of a car, take away their keys. This is a halakha. You take away their keys, you don't allow them to drive. And even if they're not going to listen to you, they're going to fight, and they, they're getting behind the wheels when they're drunk, you call the cops on them. It's not called the Moser. What you're doing is you're saving his life and the lives of the other people on the road. And this great caution has to be taken care of. Rabotai. Drinking is a mitzvah, but it shouldn't push away other mitzvot like halul Hashem and other things. We have to be careful without drinking. It's a day, like it was for them, it should be also for us. And by doing the halakhot the way the Hachimim told us to do, we'll see the Yeshuaot, the salvation that the Jewish people had once upon a time. We'll see them also nowadays, with the Geulah and the rebuilding of the Beit HaMikdash. We're starting off right now. We're going to give you the number to the studio. If you have any phone call, any any questions you want to ask off the air, we'll be here for the next 10 minutes. The number to the studio is 718-683-5858. Again, 718-683-5858. If you want to text us your question for the next 10 minutes, 347-927-8398. Again, this class will be aired on again tonight. 
at 11 o'clock, 11 p.m. until 12 a.m. And till then, we'll see you. Have a wonderful Purim, a Feilachen Purim. And Vezat Hashem, we'll see you next week with Hilchot Pesach already. We're going to start Vezat Hashem next week, Hilchot Pesach, until the holiday of Pesach. Thank you, Aaron, and thank you, J. Root. Bye-bye.